Well, thank you very much for, uh, for bearing with me. It's me again. Um, I promise you guys, I, I won't, I'm not doing anything else with the teens, or at least you guys, for the rest of the week, so you get free pass tomorrow. But did you look into books? What was the rest of this forum's title? You remember? You're not the boss of me. What was, have any idea what the subtitle was? To get other people to do what you want. How many, how many think that sounds like a good idea? And raise your hands. That's, every, that's our goal, right? I mean, that's not just for teens, not just for adults. That's everybody's goal is to get other people to do what you want. But the big question is, how many of you said this statement as kids? All right, I think all of us did. Why? This, a forum in my opinion, is interaction. So I'm going to ask questions. I, I really do want to hear you guys' opinions. So why is that such an attractive thing to say? Why is you're not the boss of me something that you hear, hopefully say it more eloquently now as uh, older teens, but you go down to the tiny tots, I guarantee they're saying the same thing. Why is that such a comfortable thing and such a popular thing for us to say? Because we want to be our own boss. Because we want to be our own boss, okay? Us happy. We want to do things that make us happy. We don't want to be controlled. We don't want to be controlled. Why? We think we know everything. Because we think we know everything. Don't we? How many of you are smarter than your parents? In all seriousness, in all seriousness, how many of your parents went to college? Okay. How many of you will be going to more school than your parents did? Aren't you smarter than your parents then? How many of you have a part-time job? How many of you know more about what you do in your part-time job than your boss? Are we, hey, are we wrong in thinking that we should be in control? I won't make you answer the question. By the end of the day, I hope we can answer that question. You're not the boss of me. We just said, is, is that a, a wrong statement? What makes us make that statement? We obviously do want to be in control, but we also believe that we have the right to be in control. We believe that we've been given the authority to be in control of our lives and to do just exactly what we uh, think is the, the best plan for us. We also don't want to have anyone else have authority over us. Why is that? When your parents told you, don't touch the stove, don't touch the hot stove when you were a kid, why did you go and burn yourself? Because, you, well, Matt says, because we wanted to be disobedient. Well, some of us did just, yeah, plain wanted to be disobedient. But others just thought, they can't really know that much, and I'm not going to know until I try it. Well, if that's the case, there's throughout this just a common theme of, of control, but an interesting proverb, pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Let's just think about it. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not too important, but we don't like to answer to anyone. How many of you have butted heads with the deans over the years? How many of you have butted, with your, butted heads with your parents this week at camp? Oh. Okay, your parents aren't here. Well, that's, but I guess across the board, we don't want to have to have our authority questioned or have any authority above us. And is that really wrong? I don't know. Maybe we need to figure it out because what we're going to find is that we're conditioned and programmed and even taught on a daily basis to believe that we have the absolute right to be an authority on everything. How do you feel about your bosses? Just to think about that. How many of you do have a part-time job? I know I asked that again, but do it again. Okay, pretty much everybody. How many of you have worked at one point in your life? Okay, that's, I think that is everybody. How did you feel about your boss? 
How many of you like your boss? How many of you don't like your boss? Well, you guys all have pretty good jobs. I'm impressed. Who do you see as bosses in your life? And I'm just using this because that's what we named the forum. Who do you see as bosses in your life? Give me. Who what? Did you say God? Hold that thought for a second. I'll point to you and you say it again. Who else are the bosses in our life? Okay, people in authority. Give me, give me some specific examples. Parents, teachers, lawyers. Ryan, police officers. Here's some that I, I came up with, and get ready. Employer, parents, grandparents, teachers. I said the deans in church, ministers, elders. How many of you, aside from, what's your name? Shane. Aside from Shane, how many of you would have said that God is the boss? You guys, well, I'll give you, I didn't give you enough credit then. Because I put God as the very last one, because I figured when we talk about bosses, admittedly for me, I didn't really think about God. Because at least the way I've been programmed is to say, you know what, I have to work for this guy, I have to be obedient to my parents, I have to not talk back to the deans, try not to get in trouble in the dorms, um, be respectful to the ministers and elders in my church, but I'm obviously submissive to God. That's really not a question. How should we feel about these folks? Should we be, no, I'm not going to give you the answer. How should we feel about it? What does that mean? <laughs> Neither do I. And that's, I'm, I'm really thankful that you're that honest. What does it mean? Because the first answer is to be respectful. What does it mean? Go for it. To obey them. To obey them. Okay. That's absolutely true. What up? Oh, go ahead. Take into consideration like what they have to say, because you wouldn't obey them if they told you to do something wrong. Okay. But you should actually like, listen to them and think like if they're actually like, trying to help you or whatnot. Okay. Amen. What else? Anybody else? Go ahead. Do you need to question their authority? Okay. Don't question their authority because you should trust what they're telling you is right. What? Other word could you use for what you just described? Anybody have? And I'm not just asking you specifically. But what what is that? That's nearly the definition of what we're going to talk about today. Submission. How comfortable a description is that? Can you say it again? What you what you described? Because I already got it mixed up in my head. Okay. Don't question the authority because you trust what they're saying is right. Now, we're going to talk about this and round out some of that because that's, that's a big wide definition, and there's a lot encompassed in that. But the fundamentals of it are exactly what I really felt a burden. And this was somebody asked if I would help present this forum. Um, and they were, just gave me the topic and said, approach it however you want. And that's really. Where, um, where my mind and heart started to go. Obviously, we should respect, we should honor, and we should be submissive to their authority, like she said. Honor thy father and mother. Don't we do that? How many of you honor your father? Oh, like, that's a dumb question. When you compare yourselves to your friends in school, Give me some description of how you honor your father and mother and how they do. Because I'm betting that there's a little bit of a difference. Or is there a difference between how you interact with your family and, and your um, parents as opposed to the rest of the world? What do you think? Is it the same or is it different? There should be a difference, but sometimes there's not. There should be a difference, but sometimes there's not. What, what do you mean? Elaborate on that. And not you specifically either, but 
What are some of the differences? There's Charlie here if you want to come over. <laughs> and there's actually a couple mixed in there too. How, what are some of the differences? How do you honor your father and mother? There uh, should be almost like a level of, you could call it like fear, like respect for them. Okay. Like honor their, you know, their decisions and what they think. I know, at least growing up, you know, you, you always feared your parents and you didn't want to do something wrong. And so, yeah, I think that's, uh, at least in my life, that's a good thing. Well, and it starts out, well, maybe it doesn't start that way, but doesn't some of it have to do with you fear the consequences of doing something that doesn't honor them? Because a spanking's coming or something or whatever. You know, I will honor them because I don't, you, you know, you don't want to get the wait till your father gets home line. It's, there was a, a cause and effect kind of thing. But you guys are getting to the age, you're at the age already, you got there to see the difference and to start to really see the fundamental difference between just obeying your parents because they brought you into this world. Like Bill Cosby says, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Like they gave you, just because they brought you into this world, it's moved beyond just fundamental obedience to actually honor. And I'm really, I got to say, guys, I'm encouraged by just what I'm hearing right now, but I wonder if we can dig into it a little bit deeper. Because, yeah, we do honor our parents but I want us to question it a little bit. Do we really? Because this is the most, this relationship of submission is probably the easiest one for us to relate to because we all have it on almost the same perspective. So the bigger question to me is where, where do we fit in this whole thing? What does submission really mean? Now, this is cheesy, but I did look this up in the dictionary. And I apologize. I'm not texting on here. I actually downloaded my outline, and it keeps locking up on me, so I'm a little distracted. Submit. To yield or surrender oneself to the will or authority of another. To subject to a condition or process, or to commit something to consideration or judgment of another. What do these all have in common? Regardless of what, you know, what's in the middle, what do each of those definitions have in common? Go ahead. It's an action. It's an action. By who? Us. By us. It's an action by us to do something in relationship to an authority. Is that fairly accurate? Can we all agree on that one? I think. The interesting part is that submission isn't about the authority figure. The unifying aspect of each one of these is for us. Put yourself in here. Put Mike to yield, to surrender to authority or the will of another. Mike to subject to a condition or process. Or Mike to commit something to the consideration or judgment of another. The authority figure might change, but submission is about me. Not about the other side of things. And that is where I think we start to have trouble with it. But let's, let's see what the Bible says about being submissive. And bear with me for a little bit, because I think this is going to be, I, I want to set the foundation of what the Bible says about, about God's hierarchy of authority, and then see where we think we fit in it. What does God's structure of authority look like? For parents, what, what does the Bible say about submitting to our parents? This one's easy. Children, obey thy parents in the Lord. For this is right, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. How many of you honored your father and mother just because you didn't want to die young? I, that, it, as a five or six-year-old kid, I remember my Sunday school teacher saying, if you honor your father and mother, you'll have a long life. And in my head, that was, if I don't honor my father and mother, I'm going to die before I get out of teen choir. So for what it's worth, that was something that stuck with me. That was something that, you know, kind of fundamentally gets ingrained in you. You each have one of those things. Maybe it's not honor thy father and mother, but there's some other teaching that's that tangible to you that's kind of been embedded in your heart. Maybe it's, maybe it's the next one. 
to obey your masters. What does the Bible say about being obedient to masters? And I don't mean masters like the Ten Commandments, slaves and whips and stuff. Masters as in your bosses, your teachers, things like that. What does the Bible say? This is kind of a quiz. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart, as unto Christ. Do you go about your jobs that way? When you're doing your part-time job, whatever that might be, are you doing it as unto Christ? I don't know. I have a full-time job now, not even just a part-time one. I can tell you, on most occasions, I am not doing my job as unto Christ. And I'm ashamed to say that. But the fact is, it's like the bad days I have are because I'm not doing it as unto Christ. What about to physical rulers? What does the Bible say about um, governments? How should we as Christians, carry ourselves relative to the rulers of the land. Respect their positions. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. What are you seeing in just these, even just take these two here? What, anything jump out to you about why we're doing this? Why we are submissive? Why we are obedient? What's the reason? Is it just because the Bible says so? Because that's a good enough reason. Keep watching for it. In every case, doing this in singleness of heart as unto Christ. In the second case, because the powers are ordained of God. Because God set it up that way. He set up a hierarchy to teach us something. We just still haven't figured out exactly what that is. What about spiritual authorities in the church? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as, that, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable to you. What does that mean? Right, this is what I want to talk about. Because I don't think, and admittedly, your parents will be upset with me when this form is done. You probably won't be, but your parents will be. So, with that as a backdrop, what does this mean? What do you think it means? Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. What does this mean? And submit yourselves. Submit yourselves to what? We're talking about to them. So, okay, obviously submit yourselves to them. But can it mean more than just submit yourselves to them? Submit yourselves to God. Okay. What does the rest of that mean? As they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. What do you think? I'll even shut the mic up. Tell me what you think. This is a hard one. And I'm not going to say any more than that. This part always makes me laugh a little bit. It's like, submit to them because... You better make sure that they're doing it with joy, because if they're not doing it with joy, that's going to be unprofitable to you. I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I, maybe I shouldn't find that humorous, but it, it seems to be a little bit. How about to God? Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Elder meaning older person, not elder meaning advisor. Um, yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
how does that fit feel to all of us? Do we really feel like we measure up on that? I'm not, I mean, that's a rhetorical question. How do we feel we measure up on this whole scope of, okay, this is what God expects of us. This is what he expects of respect and submission to his hierarchy of authority. The question is, what, where do we fit and how does that fit feel? Does it really matter? Does submission to all of those other people really matter? Spiritual hierarchy. If we're supposed to submit to God, what's the big deal with everybody else? Answer that question for me. If we're just supposed to submit to God, does it really matter what our respect level and our feelings of submission are to everybody else around us? Okay, and I'm just going to repeat it for folks in the back and the recording. By submitting to God, fruit of that is submission to these other folks. I'm simplifying. It was much more eloquent than that. Um, okay, I agree with you. But there's Christians in this room. And we have our own spiritual walk. We have our own spiritual walk with the Lord. We're empowered by the Spirit to be directed about His will. If God gives me an opinion on something, if God tells me this is how something should go because, because I said so, and I believe that, and somebody else in an authority position over me says, I think you need to take a minute. I think you need to pray about that a little bit more. You know, I'm being submissive to God. I listen to his will, but it's kind of bumping up against this, this other authority figure. So, is there a problem there? What should we be doing? Let's make it tangible. I'm not calling anybody specifically out, okay? But, you know, there are things that we do that are kind of old-fashioned as a church, right? There are a lot of things that we do, especially filled in this room, that most of us, and bear with me, I still like to think that I'm, I'm closer to your age than I am for the rest of these folks. So I, there's things that we do that are probably kind of old-fashioned, right? I mean, does it really matter how I dress when I go into church? Guys, it's going to be 105 today. Do I really need to wear long pants when I go into church tonight? Is God not going to be able to speak to me because I didn't wear the right clothes? No. Okay. I was pretty tired the other night. And, you know, there were, there were energy drinks in the fridge at the, back in the apartment or the uh, dorms. So I grabbed an energy drink, and I tossed it in my pocket and brought it into church with me. And, you know, the preacher was going on pretty long. And so in the middle of the service, I opened it up, and, you know, I had an amp. I needed one. And some old lady next to me is like, I don't know. It could have been Serbian. It could have been Romanian. I know German. I didn't understand it, so it wasn't that one. You know, should I have done it? I was tired. It's kind of old-fashioned not to be able to do that, right? I'm just throwing that out there. I hate energy drinks. I was not drinking one in church. I would not wear jeans to, or I wouldn't wear jeans. I wouldn't wear, uh, wouldn't wear shorts to church. I mean, you all know those things. But those kind of thoughts, I have in a lot of different ways. Okay, those are just two tangible ideas that came to the top of my head. It's those kind of things that are a little more subtle. And the ones that I think we need to be a little more careful of because that's really where the devil can get us. The fact of the matter is, is that God's submission to God's structure of authority 
teaches us the path of submission to our Heavenly Father. Think about that one. Submission to God's structure of authority, like we talked about it even just a little bit before, reading those verses, teaches us the path of submission to our Heavenly Father. And I'm going to make a, like, I think this is a relatively bold statement. If we cannot learn submission to God's authority, his structure of authority, which includes all of those other things that we just talked about, we cannot understand and live fully submission to our Heavenly Father. And that has some pretty heavy consequences. If we can't submit to one, we definitely can't submit to the other. Now, I thought this was a pretty cute picture, so I put it there. Here's, this, this isn't really a secret, but I, when I was going through this, thinking, well, you know what? I should stop there for a second. If you ask, this has been a great year at camp um, for a lot of reasons, but discipline-wise, the dean, I don't think there's any deans in here. There actually aren't too many adults in here. That's good. Um, the deans will tell you right now that this has been one of the most best-behaved years or most well-behaved years for the teens at camp. In years. Hats off to you guys for that. But I even heard that some of your counselors were the ones that were actually breaking things, which that's uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I, not any counselors in this room. I know the one I'm referring to. But if you went out and asked any one of these adults, not anyone, but a number of the adults in the other room and said, do the teens struggle with submission? Are the teens disrespectful? Do the teens not honor you, meaning them, the way they should? What do you think the response would be? Yes. Right? How many of you think, if you asked your parents and said, do you think we as a group, I'll put myself in there, we as a group are submissive to your authority, to the church's authority, what do you think they'd say? I'll tell you that they wouldn't say. It would not be 100% yes. You are all obedient children. You do it exactly like the Bible says. I'm not saying you do. But the big secret is this one is not all your fault. It's not all our fault. Everyone, I'm, this is across the board, is struggling to be submissive, to be respectful. I'm going to use submissive, respectful, these kind of terms interchangeably at times. Parents, teachers, bosses, we're only making it worse for all of you. Because this phrase, we can be God of our own life, is everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Right? Have it your way. Or your way, excuse me. Have it your way. Is that wrong? You can go, I love this though. Burger King tells you, have it your way. You try to get pickles taken off of your burger. It's like trying to ask for a peace treaty in the Middle East. It's not happening. You can have it your way as long as they told you what the way was, you're going to get it. Is that, give me some other ones. Obey your thirst. Just do it. Think different. Different than what? How many of you have an iPod, iPhone, MacBook, I, what, pad, pod, phone, book? How many of you have one of those things? I'm holding one right now. How many of you have another smartphone of some kind? How in the world are you thinking differently? Where you're thinking differently like everybody else in the world. Think different as long as you've got exactly what everybody else does. Yes, you can. Pepsi, Microsoft, your potential, our passion. I don't know what Facebook's motto is, but whatever it is, <laughs> we, it, that deals with something else. I guess that was a pretty good line. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it probably relates. Self-promotion in all of our lives is at, I can say, an all-time high. I didn't study that, but just look around you. You got things like Facebook. There's nothing more to it than a glorification of yourself. I'm not saying it's bad. I checked mine this morning while I was waiting for you to come in. Um, Twitter. I don't tweet, but I read tweets. 
Okay, I'm not saying it's bad, but what what is a tweet? Not a twit. What's a tweet? <laughs> what is it? You know what it is. Somebody tell me what Twitter is. It's a okay. A status of who does not have you guys never read Twitter? You have not read Twitter. God bless you. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. All I can, it's a hundred and I don't know how many characters you get to stick in there. And basically, it's like taking, because you all have Facebook. If I'm not friends with you now, I will seek you out before the end of camp and try to friend you. Um, but you'll always put status. You got your status. Mike Freund is whatever. Twitter is like doing that seven times a day or whatever and telling people what you think. Or more, yeah. Some, some people do it a whole heck of a lot more. And you can even put pictures on there. If you're, a, uh, if you're a celebrity, you can put pictures that, oh, I didn't really mean for anybody to see that. You can have uh, Congressman Wiener moments and put all kinds of crazy stuff on there. And then sheepishly take it back off. All in the path of glorificating, glorificating? glorification of yourself. MySpace. It doesn't say your space. It didn't say his space or her space. It's my space for me. Everything around us is set up to promote me to the world. So it can't be your fault, right? I mean, you open up anything. Open up the newspaper. Nobody opens a newspaper anymore. Log on to a newspaper website. Log on to, you know. Everywhere you look is somebody telling you, you can do whatever you want. You can be, oh, I should put the army up there. Be all you can be. All of these things. Whatever you want, you're the author of your own destiny. The question is, does that have any place or does that fit in in any way into God's authority? If we're that important, it's going to be really tough to be humble and submissive. Even a little bit more. This is where I, your parents aren't going to like me when we're done. On top of that, we've learned this. How many of you, and I want to see hands, and you can disguise your voices if you'd like, but I would even like examples because I will give you some examples. How many of you have heard adults speak disrespectfully about their parents? It's not 100%, but pretty close. How many of you have heard adults speak disrespectfully of their bosses? I love my bosses, and they have no idea what they're doing half the time. How many of you have heard adults speak disrespectfully of church leadership? How many of you have seen adults disrespectful in their actions? Where do you learn how to conduct yourself as an adult? That's a terrible question. How did you, where did you learn things as an infant? Your parents. Your, the adults around you. Your environment. You learn these things by watching people. What did uh, my Uncle Bobby said this morning? I don't even remember exactly how it was. Talking about his forum on mentorship this afternoon. The whole fact of the matter being that we can be taught a lot of things, we can read a lot of things, but what we will actually act out and what we will actually become is vastly influenced by what we see, what we hear, what we're taught by those influences around us. So, when our parents and our Deans, and I'm thankful, it's not really been an issue this year for deans, but adults and authority figures in our life say, these kids aren't respectful. Newsflash. They're not respectful because, or we're not respectful because they're not respectful. We're not submissive because they're not submissive. When's the last time you guys had a teen forum where the adults picked a topic that they thought the teens had problems with, said, here, address the problem, and the forum presenter could look at you and say, this isn't your fault. It doesn't happen all that often. 
The scary part was I started putting this together thinking, how in the world am I supposed to tell the teens that they need to be respectful when they've only learned it from disrespectful and unsubmissive people all around them? Problem is, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can't unscramble an egg. You can't, I don't know, <laughs> put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I don't know. Pick whatever you want. <laughs> They're a lot more stubborn than we are. Jacob probably knows, well, aside from my family, Jacob probably knows me better than anybody in here. I'm pretty stubborn, but I'm still hoping that this is going to teach me something. You guys are still younger, a lot younger in some cases. There is infinitely more time for you to actually be taught. But wait, we don't have, admittedly, this, and I, this is recorded, okay? So I'm saying it, your parents are going to listen to this, and I'm going to get emails after camp. This is a problem, just like I said, because we've learned it that way. And we may not have the best teachers to put us back on the track to God's structure of authority. So the fact of the matter is, it's something that we have to embrace as a generation ourselves. Go ahead. It's just adults disrespecting other adults, but like when adults respect us, disrespect us too, and we don't really feel the needs that they deserve to get respect back from us. That's a very good point. The, the comment was, it's not even always just adults respecting other adults, but adults respecting us in return. And if they don't respect us, then we don't respect them. Let me, yeah, I will comment on that one right now. You're right. The one thing that we've got to watch, and because just by the comment, and this, I don't mean this badly, just by the comment, it, it's already, it shows what our perspective is. Obviously, adults need to respect us. But because of the authority and the structure of authority that God set up, it's still our responsibility to be submissive to them. Respect is one thing. Submission is, is another thing. And our parents and adults and things like that need to respect us and respect that the Holy Spirit will indwell us as well. But in the end, we still are subject, as we are subject to God's authority, are subject to submission to our parents and to the adults. And just because that's how it was set up. And that, that right there is where this all starts to get even more complicated. We're products of our environment and going to be creatures of habit. We're going to do exactly the same thing. We said, we said that already. How many of you have heard adults speak disrespectfully of God? Really? That's, I'm thankful that there aren't, any more, aren't many more than that. And especially in the church, I would hope, okay, obviously I hear it all the time, you know, you read, people reading things and, and saying, you know, the Bible, why would you read a, you know, a, a book of fiction written by a bunch of dead guys a bunch of thousands of years ago? That's disrespectful. That's res- disrespectful first to us as believers, but even more so to God. But I think as a whole, we don't really hear our parents or teachers or ministers or elders or deans or anybody like that speaking disrespectfully of God because that's untouched. We'd never go do that. That's blasphemy. But what's really the case is when we disregard his teaching, we're doing the same thing. We may not say, God has no idea what he's doing. I wish he'd get off my back. We won't utter those words because I have a phrase I like to use, like, step back because the lightning might come. You, know, you see something really evil, you just expect God to and just get it done and wipe it off the face of the earth. Saying things like that seems to um, elicit a little more worry in us. But by disregarding his teachings, we're doing exactly the same things. And if we struggle with submitting our own will to authorities in our earthly life, we will struggle to submit to our Heavenly Father's authority. What does it mean to struggle to submit to our Heavenly Father's authority? Is that a big deal? Yes. Why is it a big deal that we submit to our Heavenly Father's authority? 
What's the result if we don't? Put it that way. Or who? Give me an example of somebody that didn't submit to God's authority. Okay, Jonah. I didn't even put Jonah down. Jonah. But what's a good what's the good part about Jonah? He turned around. He went back. I mean, he got gobbled up by a big fish, got spit back out on land, complained a little bit under a tree after preaching to the people. He was saved. What else? Go ahead. Lot's wife. She had a little bit worse situation than Jonah did. You guys are good. This is really good. What happened to her? Yeah. God says, don't turn around. This is, man, somebody should use that for turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord or you'll turn into a pillar of salt. She turned into a stack of salt, right? I'll have to give that as an idea to somebody that you got a little bit of the week left here. What else? Go ahead. Yeah, Moses, he, what, he struck the rock when he was supposed to talk to it, yeah. something like that. And then he didn't get to go into the promised land. Okay. Go ahead. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and now we all have to work because of it. <laughs> Lucifer. Huh. What about Lucifer? Probably, um, it's got to be the first one. The first person, first angel, I don't want to call him a person, what was he? Um, first figure to rebel against God's authority was the devil. And what happened to the devil? Why did he get kicked out of heaven? Go ahead. He wanted to be equal with God. He wanted to be equal with God. He wanted to have it his way. Go ahead. He wasn't submissive. He wasn't submissive. I'm giving you the cues here. Give me the bullet points, guys. That's perfect. But think about it, okay? Those are the perfect answers. But think about what that actually means. The devil wasn't submissive to God's authority. And he, or Lucifer, let's put it that way. Lucifer wasn't submissive to God's authority, and he became the devil. I don't know about you. I'm going to honor my father and mother. I don't really, I mean, the, the perspective of that. And yet we say, have it your way. Make me a God. My, my face, my space, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, I'm going to, I have something to offer. We do. But what we have to offer is a reflection of God's spirit upon us. And are we really doing that? We've got a chance to break the cycle. Okay? Now, that's, that's kind of hard. We've been asked and are commissioned to be followers of Christ. Was Christ submissive? Answer is yes. I'm not giving you a question that easy to answer. How was Christ submissive? Go ahead. He washed the disciples' feet. He washed the disciples' feet. Again, a better example. I didn't even have it on there. Perfect example. Go ahead. He died on the cross. If he even asked God, if there's any other way, he's going to do what Let this cup pass from me. Not, he didn't even say, God, I got a better idea. You got those 10,000 angels over there. Why don't you use them for something rather than singing and let me get off the hook on this one. But yet, not my will, but thine. If that's what Christ did to be submissive, how on earth? Can we expect that we should do anything else? Even as Christ was resigned to his Father's will, we need to go and do likewise. Now, that's still not all that easy. I mean, we can't change all the influences around us. Like I said, can't unscramble egg, the Humpty Dumpty, yada, yada, yada. You can't fix all that stuff. You can't fix everybody else around you. This is one spot where you can be empowered you are empowered. You have access to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to, to put into motion God's design, structure of authority, and submission to it. But how do you do it? I mean, can we? Eh, I think we can. Our example 
can make a difference. Simple things. I mean, this is going to sound stupid. You guys are going to laugh when we're done. Hold the door for somebody. How is that submissive? Well, maybe it's not, but it shows respect. Hold the door for that person that you just heard bad-mouthing, I don't know, bad-mouthing their parents or bad-mouthing, being disrespectful. Just keep it general. Hold the door for them. Ask them how their day is going. Offer to help carry their tray to the table in the lunchroom. Offer up your seat. Dress appropriately. You may not think it's necessary. You may not think it is inherently necessary for you to measure up to all of the requirements and traditions that we have. But your following them shows submission. You're being respectful to them. You can wear the right clothes. You cannot drink amp in church, cracking the top. I mean, I have been in churches other places where I heard a guy cracking a Pepsi in the back room. I mean, I, I laughed at first, but you can show respect and show submission by doing all those things, but doing them with an attitude. You could show up to church dressed perfectly appropriately, everything in line, but you get there five minutes late, you saunter in, you lay down, put your feet up on the bench, you're there, you look the part, but that's still not submissive. That's still not respectful. Speak respectfully. I mean, the one that really kills me, not kills me, meaning cuts me to the heart, is when Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. We're so happy to be the ones to do the big stuff. You know, and I'm, I'm the biggest offender of this thing. People come up and say, you did a great job with this. You did a great job with that. I do four things in a week that people see, and they think that, that you're, you're being this big servant. There are people doing all kinds of things at camp that work a thousand times harder than I ever will, and nobody says a word to them. If we have a mindset like Christ, you know, let this cup pass. Lord, I'm not saying that this is easy for me, but not my will, but thine be done. We, too, are going to give account for our actions. That first couple of verses that we read there saying, you know, um, submit to the authorities in the church so that they may do it with joy, because they, they give account for your souls, that they may do it with joy, you, too, will give account for your actions, for how you measure up. I don't want to sound like there's a, a scale, but how we fill in the details of what God's expectation is for us. We will answer for that and pray that we will be found measuring up. I guess that's the, the best way I can say it. I mean, really question ourselves. Are we? Are we being change respectful? Are we being submissive? Are we honoring? Not are we honoring everybody around us. Are we honoring God? And let that be the, um, the natural trickle down. Be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Let Christ be the example of submission in our lives. Only by learning submission in our lives can we fully understand and experience the perfect will of God. At first I thought, oh, you can't throw out big statements like that. You can't say something like that because I can't, you know, I couldn't pull one specific verse that says, if you don't, you know. But I'll say that with all the conviction I can. If we can't learn submission in our lives, we cannot experience God's full and perfect will applied to our lives. And who on earth doesn't want that? That's the phrase we started with. You're not the boss of me. I'm not saying anybody needs to be the boss of you. But why can't we trade that in for like uh, Elijah, no, like Samuel was told, speak, Lord, for your servant here. That has a whole lot different feel than you're not the boss of me. Go listen to one of those kids spout that off to you. See how, how good it feels. Because when we don't follow after the teachings that the Lord's provided for us, that's exactly what we're saying. 
We got seven minutes. I want to hear your opinions. I think that's the end. That is the end. I want to hear your opinions. I want to hear what you think. Is it doable to, to be different than what we've been taught? You say yes. How? How are you going to do it? Because I think it's important. And I'm terrified for one because I have a feeling this is going to have to be an adult forum next year. And I don't think they're going to be as nice about this as you guys are. How are we going to make a difference? How are we going to change a cycle that we didn't start? Make sure that we ourselves are measuring up to being respectful, submissive before passing it on. Go ahead. Pray, pray, pray. God will give it. Jacob, I think it really comes down to you know where your heart is. Because if you if you have a heart that you know really wants to serve God and you know is really willing to pursue what He wants for you. Um, being submissive is going to be a lot easier. Um, if you, you know, if you just try and do it by yourself, and say, okay, you know, today I'm not going to talk back to my parents at all. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do exactly what my boss wants me to. You know, like that's all good, but it's probably going to be very difficult, and you're probably not going to be able to do it. But if you come at it with, you know, the mindset of wanting to do it for God um, you know, and wanting to be submissive to Him first the other stuff will fall into place so I think that's really important Amen uh, I think that when it comes to people being respectful or submissive um, I know several people I mean, even within my own family um, those who are converted that don't want to because they look at people especially you know, people in our church and say why would I want to be a Christian and be a part of that church? Because look at all the evil things that Christians in our church are doing, how unsubmissive God they are. Um, and we can't look at people and blame people and use that as an excuse to not be submissive or respectful to God um, because we really have to look at Christ as the example of Christians. And we're going to give account. And they will too. But, amen. And it's a perfect lead into what I was going to say. I think it's pretty simple. It's to stop making excuses. We're a generation that loves to say it's not our fault. Nothing's our fault. But if we own up to our own actions and say, just because they're not respectful doesn't mean I can't be respectful. I mean, it only takes one person to start a change. Why can't we be that person? You guys have more influence than you will ever realize. In the next five years, you'll take on every responsibility, uh, five to ten. Next five to ten years, you'll take on every responsibility that you see having influence around you. Next year, some of you will probably stand here and do a forum. If you can make a change in your own hearts now, and this isn't, it's not hard. We all know the task. We all, all know exactly the example we're looking for and looking toward. If we can make the change, God will add the increase. And it will be really exciting to see how he blesses it. That's probably a good note to end on. I'll let you guys get out of here a little bit early. But thank you very much for your... uh,